0: Welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Jan Orman. In this podcast series, we've invited people we know and admire to tell you their stories. My name's Paula Cottervich.
1: So my name is Craig Sample. Evie Rader.
0: Molly Shorthouse. My name's Percy Knight. I was a career detective in the New South Wales Police Force. I identify
1: as a trans woman.
0: I am a remote doctor in East Arnhem Land. These are people who may not have made the headlines, but whose stories are just as worthy of your attention as those you hear about in the media. Living with cancer. I was struggling with PTSD for eight or nine years. I just had a lot of fear. I was well and truly burnt out. These are people who have flourished and met life's challenges while managing their social and emotional well-being. Uh, my career now. Uh, is as a mental health advocate and educator. I led a team that that negotiated a $22 million native title. definitely taught me in my life a lot of persistence and given me a lot of strength. We're hoping you'll find something in these stories to inspire you, whatever your situation right now. Even if we've never experienced mental illness, most of us have a sense of what it must be like to have depression or anxiety. On the other hand, very few of us have an understanding of someone's experience of psychosis from the inside. Mandy had her first psychotic episode at a time in her life when she had a tiny baby and a toddler. It was postnatal psychosis, a far less common condition than postnatal depression or anxiety, but a very serious one indeed. In this interview... Mandy gives us some insight into the fear and confusion that comes with an experience of psychosis. She's had to travel a very hard road in order to recover, but as she says, she's managed to turn a negative into a positive in her life.
1: Hi, my name is Mandy. I'm 45 years old. Um, I'm mother to two children. I am a primary school teacher, which I have been doing since 1999. I also have a very keen interest in mental health education since I have experienced a very severe mental health episode or a mental illness episode. In 2010, um, I experienced postnatal psychosis. Since then, I have been receiving help and also uh, educating others about mental illness. Before 2010 I didn't have any experience with mental health um, or specifically any mental illness. I didn't know anyone with mental illness. Um, I had a very unusual perception of what mental illness was and people with mental illness. So my first Um, my first experience with mental health or having a mental illness was um, complete lack of of knowledge. So I didn't know I was mentally unwell. Um, I was taken away in an emergency situation and I had a family member, my mum, call an ambulance for me. That was my first exposure to um, a sort of mental health support. Um, It was my first appointment. So it was a day I call it the day, and um, prior to this day, I'd been angry, very, very angry, and I'd fought with my parents. Yeah, I was, I was, I was very angry, but for no particular reason. I was tired, but I didn't realise how tired I was. Um, I just knew that I had to keep going. I had a toddler and a baby. Um, And I had to keep in my mind, I had to keep going and I had to keep going and do a good job. So I was trying hard to do a good job. Um, So I I wake up the next day and I remember thinking, okay, um, you've got a job to do. I remember feeling a a little lonely, um, a little isolated, even though I had people everywhere, but I still felt isolated um so in the day I I I wanted to I was getting to the point where I was starting to ask my husband to stay at home so I was a bit like well one of us has got to go to work here (laughs) um so it wasn't good on that part where I was sort of leaning on him could you maybe stay at home today or go in a bit later today um so so starting to lean on him but he needed to get to work and carry his load what he was doing at that time um so anyway I remember putting the kids in the car And I remember my neighbour, who who is a dad about my age, saying to me, "Um, are you all right? Um, And I've never asked him, maybe because I just don't want to broach the subject, why did he ask me? It was a bit unusual. And I said, yeah, I'm fine. Um, Would get a bit sort of, um, you know, angry. Of course I'm all right. Um, You know, I'm competent. I can do this um I've I've worked with children I'm good I'm all, all good with this um and we drove in the car and we drove to my husband's work and I asked my husband I started to um get paranoid was he working in the place he said he was working um was he starting to tell me lies so there's this real sense of paranoia and mistrust with people was developing that day um then I remember thinking my daughter hadn't had lunch. Um, so I remember driving into a McDonald's drive through and thinking, okay, I'll get a lunch. And then we ordered the Happy Meal. And when the assistant in McDonald's repeated the Happy Meal, I thought, she's saying I'm not happy. Why is she saying that? She shouldn't be saying that. I am happy. So everything was starting to consume me and be connected to me um, and and was starting to become personal to me, everything that people were saying. Well, I've, I've just got to get home now because that's where I feel safe. Um, and I remember I was a, f- a few suburbs away and I got home, um, um, got the kids out of the car, got home, opened the front door and into the kitchen and there were um, party poppers All over the kitchen, and I thought, "Um, that's it, we've been broken into, and someone's gone through the kitchen and exploded all the party poppers. And then it got worse from there. So I rang my mum. I remember picking up the phone to my mum. Anyway, mum had cottoned on, I think, to what I was saying, and she said, I'm coming over and I'm bringing chicken soup. I believed that, and I sat on the lounge in the lounge room with the kids, and I thought, okay, well, We'll have some chicken soup. I remember I was very, very frightened and she came and I opened the door and she didn't have the chicken soup, which I was disappointed. <laughs> Where's the chicken soup? Um, she came in and she looked worried. Um, it was then I went on to tell her that the house had been broken into and to not go into the kitchen because all the all the food in the house was poisonous. Um and it's, I can still remember saying that, but it was coming out without me thinking. <laughs> my mouth was running away. Um, and that's when she knew that something was wrong. So um, she'd actually brought my, my nephew um, with her and he was at the front and I could see him on the phone um, and I knew something was going on and I knew that they were calling for help um, and I started to get angry. <laughs> um, and I said, we're going to go. I'll take the kids Mum, and we've got to go. Got the car keys. Again, these poor kids, um, we'll we'll go kids. And then the next thing I looked out the front, there's a window at the front of our house and I could see an ambulance parked across my car. Um, and I thought, oh, they've called an ambulance. Um, I was angry that the ambulance had been called because, um, we'd called outsiders. Didn't need outsiders, Um, um. uh, we, Yeah, we called an ambulance. An ambulance means that someone's sick. I wasn't sick. Um, I was a mum trying to do my job, trying to do it well, trying my best. Um, I had my mum there. Everything was going to be all right. I wanted to rid, rid these, get rid of these, sorry, these ambulance people as fast as I could. I went out the front and I thought, okay, so they obviously think I'm not, I haven't got it together. Um, how can I... Tell these people who I've never met before or that I'm normal. I'm fine. Um, I've got a good brain. Um, so I thought, okay, I don't work anymore. Had um, so I can't tell them that I go to work and this is my job. Um, my job now was a mum. Had baby on my hip, um, in my arms. Um, I had a toddler at my feet, standing at the gate, and I said, we go to play group. Um, I thought maybe that's something that they'll know that I. Um, ...that I, I do get out and I mix with people. Um, I, we go to play group every Thursday. Um, so I start, yeah, trying to think... ...how can I articulate to these people who I am... ...and that, you know, I do other... Th- ...I get out of the house, I do normal things. Um, that's when they sort of started coming in... ...and they said, you're coming. The male said, the female still behind him. She, he said, you're coming, to, you're coming to hospital. Thinking, what for? Um, I don't need to go and I've got kids... Um, Don't waste my time. Um, Just let me keep going with my job. Mum said nothing. Mum sort of just stood there. Um, And I knew then he wasn't going to go. He was quite persistent. um, And I couldn't get him out, this paramedic. I said, if I can take the kids, I'll go. Um, Because there was that intense feeling that they will take the kids. Um, I wasn't even trustworthy of my mum to take them because she betrayed me by calling these people. Um, So the kids needed to stay with me. They were a part of me. They were coming with me through this whole thing, which it was a a fierce feeling that I had. Um, And I'm to learn later that that's not an unusual feeling in this situation. Um, And they came, they got in with me. Um, and we drove away and I saw my mum crying in the front yard. And I said to myself, good, she deserves that because she shouldn't have called the ambulance. That was wrong. Um, and so we'd, we, we head down to um, my local hospital, which isn't far from where I live. Um, and I was put into the ward that night um, and I had no idea where I was Um And I was scared. I I knew that I was obviously in a mental unit and my um, perception of the mentally ill was they are dangerous people. So here I was with all these dangerous people. I was in the wrong spot because I'm not dangerous, Um, but I'm with a lot of dangerous people. So, so yeah. (laughs) It was a bad night. (laughs) um, during the psychosis, um, certain things stick out for me. Um, I actually, um, that night I was put into a room and I remember trying to lock the door. I was scared. Um, I remember then, I don't know, I think it was later. So I don't, I don't know if I slept cause it would have been getting on to very late at night, like early morning, probably. I did it sometime during that stay, early on. Look at the plastic hospital band around my arm, and I thought, oh, so I am in hospital because when you're in hospital, you wear a plastic band. So I kind of felt better about that. Like it made a connection with physical hospital for me. So we wear a band in in the mental health hospital. So well, that's that's okay then. That's connected to physical hospital, and I know what it's like to be in a physical a hospital for physical needs. So that made me feel relieved, safe. They've got the band on me. So the first admission, um, I, left, I left the hospital um, pleading to go. I remember the psychiatrist saying, um, I wouldn't let you go, um, but I know you've got children. Um, so I'm going to let you go. Um, there at the time of, uh, so 2010, there was no mother and baby public unit. Um, I wasn't in a private health fund. I would have been the perfect candidate for a mother and baby unit, but New South Wales, um, doesn't have one. Um, that is looking to change. There has been an announcement that there are two coming in the f- in the coming years um, being built. I should stay- say, um, I was in, I was put out back into my house. Um, they call it putting me back into the community, <laughs> um, and I was linked in with um, the community acute care nurses who would visit me each evening. Um, Each, I have since had, so just sort of jumping a big jump here, I have since had nine admissions over the 10-year period. Some of them were involuntary. Some of them were voluntary. Um, I did go into a private health fund um, that allowed me to access private mental health, Um, And for me, that allowed me to participate in psychoeducation therapy classes, um, group therapy that I could not access in the public system that I was in. Um, Each time I came in and out, it's a very hard transition. As a voluntary patient, it's very hard because you're making a big decision to leave and put yourself into hospital. As an involuntary patient, it's hard. So there's, there's no winning here. Um, because you're being dragged um, involuntary. You can't see that you're sick and you need to go. People are, you know, telling you you're escorted in. Um, And I was escorted in a few times. Um, uh, Yeah, so um, it isn't... I guess after the first stay, I thought that I would be well. um, But I I was to learn that to stay well um, was going to be... Um, sort of something I needed to consider for the rest of my life um, and that going to hospital was something that became part of what I did. How did my lack of knowledge um, impact on the situation? Um, It had a huge impact on the situation. Um, so I had no language. Um, I remember the nurse on the first night I went in coming up to my room that I'd tried to lock up the corridor and she stood at the doorway and she said, I've got some medicine. And I um, thought, well, you know, what are they going to give me now? Um, this is a psych ward. What are they going to try and make me take? She said, it's an antipsychotic. Where have I heard the word Psychotic when we're laughing or trying to say someone's mad or that's psychotic. So I've I've heard it in that context, but now I was hearing it in a medical context. Um, Was I psychotic? Um, What an awful, awful word. Um, That was my first exposure to sort of the language um, because not many people spoke to me. Remember, I'd just come out of the emergency. Um, I'd gone in the car gone through someone's gone through my bag no one's giving me any that was my first exposure antipsychotic just to the language um so I had no language Antipsychotic, depression anxiety I knew I've heard of depression and anxiety before wasn't something I got it wasn't something that anyone in my family got because we were strong that was my belief that was the way I was raised you didn't get mental health uh mental illness I should say if you were strong because that you beat it when you're strong um, so, um, that's, that's, remember, that's the thought I'm going in with. Um, so I'm starting to learn the language. So I was a complete novice. Um, and as I've gone on over the, ter- the, the 10 years, I've started to learn language to articulate my feelings, um, um, to be able to communicate with a doctor properly around it, um, I no longer am embarrassed by the language. Um, If someone says, oh, you're mad, I can have a laugh about that. They don't know my story or they might say you're psychotic. (laughs) Um, I don't think personally now I don't think we should use those words out of the medical context. (laughs) Um, But not everyone has had the experience that I've had. So I I keep that in mind, Um, yeah, um, because I've now had 10 years of education and reading um, around mental health. So I've got a fairly good vocab and understanding of it, but zero, um, if you could have less than zero, that's the knowledge I had prior to psychosis day. Um, I've had various diagnoses over the time. Um, I initially, as I said, I'd been diagnosed with postnatal psychosis. I'd went on to have diagnosis of generalized anxiety and depression. Um, in the fo- in the years prior, so sort of somewhere between 2016, I had the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. I then was re-diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, I'm at a point now where the name of the illness or the label, if we want to call it, doesn't really matter. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, as long as... I feel well in myself, Um, I take medication, I feel that the medication I'm on, um, the side effects are very minor, some of the um, medication I've been on, the side effects for me have been um, huge, so I'd actually rather have the illness rather than the tablet, Um, but I've found this, um, what I'm taking at the moment is working for me and... I feel well, um, I've, I'm, I'm working, I'm being a mum, a husband, uh, sorry, a wife, a daughter, a sister um, and I'm functioning. So I've got over the thought of what do I have and then searching desperately on, on uh, you know, Google to find out what it is. So desperately searching, um, I don't care what I've got anymore as long as I'm feeling well. Um, if I have to go back to hospital I'm okay with that Um, I'll take myself in I had a week stay last year Um, as I said that was my most recent I took myself in I took myself out Um, I was in charge Um, and maybe that's the way it's going to be for the rest of my life Um, I can live with that Um, yeah happy to be well So these days, managing my mental health um, is just part of me staying well and caring for myself. Um, I have access to a lovely psychiatrist who is very, very knowledgeable, um, who I trust, um, who I can be very open with. Um, So um, I also have access to a GP, um, a beautiful lady, again, trust um, like a friend, um, any conversation we can have, um, she's there for me, I know. Um, I, I have um, times where I access a psychologist. I'm not at the moment having regular appointments, but it goes in and out where I'll have regular sessions with a psychologist if I feel I need to um, open up lots of dialogue, um, depending what's happening. I do mindfulness, so I search for an app Um just you know, one on my phone. Turn it on. Sit in a chair, lie in the bed, um, and listen to a mindfulness session. Um, I take medication. I'm on regular medication. Um, I've stopped being the perfectionist. Near enough is good enough. And if it doesn't get done today, there's another day. Doesn't matter. Um so that feeling of, you know, I was very much the perfectionist in my role as mother. Um, I had ideas of what a mother was, but I've, I've given that the flick. Um, it's okay, near enough. As best as you can do it, um, that's all that needs to be done. Um, you don't need to overthink it or overdo it. or um, And managing my ent- mental health... I also talk about it, um, so talking about it can help and I've stopped crying when I talk about it. Um, I used to cry a lot in appointments, um, so now it feels, I guess, that eventually uh, the story starts to feel detached from me. I can tell it without being too connected to it. Um, I try to exercise. Um, I know that's hard, but, <laughs> um, you know, just to take myself on a walk um, do some form of exercise. Um, I also went back to my work as a primary school teacher, um, probably doing more of that than I probably would like to, but um, that's sort of where I'm at at the moment. Um, but I do enjoy the job. Um, it takes my mind off me um, caring for others. I take my mental health hat into the classroom, um, and I love doing that. Um, because there's a need for it in schools, discussion around mental health, normalisation around the vocab around mental health. Uh, The role of my family uh, amongst all of this, they've played a pivotal role Um, I can look back now and thank my mum for calling the ambulance. As I say, that was my first appointment um, and an appointment I needed. Um, Just didn't know it. Um, My mum has stuck by me. As much as, um, I guess, for my mum and whether we call it generational or not, um, it's been hard for her to understand Um, because it was, um, her mother was very much like, her mother, um, my mum was one of seven, so my grandmother was, you know, I've had seven kids and, you know, I'm strong and I just keep going. It was that old, you know, you just keep going, doesn't matter what's going on, one foot in front of the other and you're tough, we're built tough. Um, So mum comes from that school of thought. Um, People who need help really are weak and that's no... um, I don't mean that in an awful way. It's just the, the way that, that it was, the thought, the, the thinking, that's what it was. Um, so, so mum tried to, has tried to understand what was going on. Um, my husband, who I often think if the role had been reversed and it was my husband who was mentally unwell, would I have been as supportive as he has been, um, as understanding as he has been? um there were t- he ha- i guess he fell, um not i guess he did he did fall into the role as carer for me and often had to um so for many years we had the community mental health care nurses visit our home each night um and we'd have a little conference every night um we'd talk about the medication I'd take they they'd watch me take my medication to check that I was taking the right amount they'd bring me medication um um, both saving me going to the chemist and and buying it, um, and Julian would be there at each conference in the lounge room, um, being the supporter, um, and he still is. Um, never, you know, each time I voluntary, vol- sorry, voluntarily got into hospital, he has been beside me, um, and uh, and definitely understanding, and never once has questioned my my feelings or my need to do what I needed to do. Um, he's fallen in the role as single dad a lot of the times um, and that's not been easy. Um, yeah, so um, very two pivotal people. Um, other family too, um, who I shouldn't forget, there's been extended family, um, my sister, my dad, um, yeah, that, that that have pulled in and, and um, stayed with me throughout and tried to learn as well into um, about this new ground that we'd entered. So um, this situation was pretty dark um, and I had to find some good out of it. Otherwise it was going to remain dark um, and that's not a nice way to, to have to think or live live with that, live with that darkness. So um, one of the, the, the things that I could take from it, a good thing was, okay, it happened, I can't change that, but what I can do is I can tell the story because unfortunately this won't be the last time this happens. Um, we are starting to understand that perinatal mental illness is common, there's many Women and men who experience it. It's just that we don't talk about it, and there's lots of embarrassment, stigma, um, and trying to hide this subject. Um, but it's starting to slowly become an okay topic. Um, one of the um, things that I found, I connected in very early days, so with, um, and I think I found it. Um, I, a few people sent me things, after, like from, it wasn't from the hospital. Anyway, I connected with the Gidget Foundation. So the Gidget Foundation uh, provides information, resources, um, and are starting to um, build uh, houses in certain areas, um, Sydney and regional areas, that support new parents with their mental health. So um Gidget is the nickname of a mum who um who took her own life due to postnatal mental illness um and her parents decided that in her honor that they would help other parents via this foundation um so I find this foundation and they talk about all things um postnatal mental illness um I started to realise that they were talking my language. Um, they said it was all right to get mental illness when you after you had a baby. Um, they said that it was normal even. They said that it was common. Um, they started to make me feel good about myself. They still do everything that I read. They're honest. Um, they're not trying to um, glamorise anything um, so the, the, their honesty is um, amazing um, because we're scared to be honest. I'm not sure why Are we scared we're going to turn off the next generation. I don't know, but um, honesty is good. And I do some volunteering with them um, and enjoy that and think that what they do, um, so they, that you can um, access a psychologist through them um, I mean you can access a psychologist through a, a, a GP but um, you can call their number and, and they can they have perinatal psychologists and uh, they put lots of information out there to destigmatize um, perinatal mental illness and they think of the fathers as well <laughs> um, we think because the physically the father hasn't gone through the process but he's mentally gone through the process so um I guess I have a son (laughs) Um, and I'm, yeah, I like that we think about the men too, yeah. So I have participated in various voluntary projects around mental health um, and some of the things I've done um, have been um, connected with the Gidget Foundation. Um, As mentioned, they have an amazing philosophy around um, parental mental illness. Um, they're very honest um, ar- ar- about what they do. Um, and I've, I've, I've found um, so when I've done various speaking roles um, and um, things, I enjoy talking about it. Um, I enjoy talking about it because I feel I'm I'm doing a good thing. Um, so that the the person who might be clueless like me um, might listen to me and um, learn something and not have that sort of um, all of a sudden thrown into a world that you know nothing about. Um, You've got a little bit of knowledge in case it happens to you um, and I hope it never does or a friend or a sibling or anyone. Um, So uh, I guess I also – I guess – Get rewards in terms of um, I feel good about myself when people say thank you for doing that. Um, I appreciate I didn't do nothing about that, um, so I feel like um, you know people sort of um, thanking me. That's a nice feeling. I've done some good. Um, I'm 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 doing a good service for the community by talking about this. So um, that means that even though this happened. Um, i'm making it worthwhile it happened i can't change it i can't um i couldn't stop it from happening um but i can turn this into something that's okay um that's a positive a negative into a positive um, and that feels good
0: thank you for listening if there's been anything in this podcast that you've found distressing, don't forget to talk to your usual support person or call Lifeline on one three one 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 four. And if you'd like to hear more in the Being Well podcast series, you can find it on the Black Dog Institute website.